Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box with BangTheBook.com's KBO Betting Podcast for Monday, May 18th. I am your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Coming to you here on a Monday after the weekend, day off on Monday in the KBO. Games restart again on Tuesday morning, so we'll have that KBO article up this afternoon over at bangthebook.com, taking a look at the five new series that will begin here on Tuesday. Also over at the website, NASCAR, a very good opening race at Darlington. We'll do it again here this week, but also mix in the Xfinity Series. So Xfinity Series preview and a Cup Series preview for Darlington coming your way over at bangthebook.com. We'll also talk about the match between Tiger and Peyton Manning and Phil and Tom Brady. That's coming up here this upcoming weekend. I believe that's Sunday, so we'll have a preview up for that over at the website. Also, we'll do some horse racing stuff for later in the week. We'll revisit some NFL futures. You know, things going pretty well right now for the sports that are going on. A lot more horse tracks starting over the weekend. Several more starting during the week here. And, of course, we've got, you know, some big prep races coming up for the Kentucky Derby in September. So we'll have a lot of horse racing coverage for you throughout the spring and summer over at bangthebook.com. We're doing the best we can with what we've got to work with here with UFC. That's on hiatus now until May 30th. We'll see if that winds up being in Arizona or if it winds up being somewhere else. But that'll be the next UFC event, May 30th. Then UFC 250 is supposed to go off the following week. We'll see what Dana White does with the schedule, where he ends up going. But we've still got golf, NASCAR, horse racing, KBO. Now we'll have the UFC as well over at the website. And golf officially coming back here, I believe it's what, the second week of June uh, at Memorial, I think it is, uh, with the PGA Tour coming back around. So we're kind of starting to sort of get back to normal a little bit here. More MLB proposals coming out. More ideas coming out for the NBA and the NHL. NHL possibly using a Las Vegas hotel and then having the close proximity to T-Mobile Arena and trying to figure some things out there. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, at least uh, we're getting some news now and certainly some news better than no news like we had with a lot of those sports for a very, very long time. All right, so it is Monday. We do have a Monday mailbag this week. I got three questions from our good buddy Rich via email. Happy to have those. Then we'll go ahead and do uh, more like the traditional format for the show here. We'll do the Beyond the Box Score segment. I'm saving down the lines for Thursdays just because I don't want to overload you with KBO content. But, of course, the market is settling in now. The sportsbook's having a better idea of what's going on. And, of course, we're seeing inflated prices on some of these foreign starting pitchers, like the big number with Dan Straley over the weekend, like the deuce on Kia game where Aaron Brooks, even though Kia – Nowhere near as good offensively to this point as Doosan. Brooks gets the respect in that game against Alcantara. Alcantara winds up pitching really well. Brooks doesn't. So Doosan wins at that relatively short money line price there. So we're seeing adjustments. We're seeing betters maybe getting a little bit more of a feel for this market. But I'll talk more about that on Thursday's show. But after the Beyond the Box score segment, we'll take a look at the week ahead. Go over those five series that start here on Tuesday morning. 
But we start with the Monday mailbag here, and we start with that three-pack of questions from Rich via email. And again, Adam at bangthebook.com, skatingtripods at gmail.com, at skatingtripods on Twitter, to send in questions for the Monday mailbag or get on the list for the Better's Box show notes. Once again, Adam at bangthebook.com or skatingtripods at gmail.com for that. Rich's first question here says, now that you are all in on the KBO, are you going to change your stance on the sacrifice bunt? And the answer is absolutely not. I will never change my stance on sacrifice bunting. I absolutely hate sacrifice bunts. I hate it more in a league with such a depressed strikeout rate here, like the KBO. Also, the ball seems to be rejuiced. I don't see really any reason to be out there bunting here in this league. But, you know, I know it's kind of a contact-oriented league, a lot more small ball, stuff like that. Some people like that. I personally don't. And for those new listeners or those old listeners that we have, the reason why I dislike sacrifice bunting is that it very rarely makes sense from a run expectancy standpoint or a win expectancy standpoint. And right now we're looking at a scenario in the KBO where we've gone from just over nine runs per game last year to almost ten and a half runs per game this year. When you play for one run, you get one run. But when you look around the KBO here, how much does one run matter with the level of these bullpens, with the rejuiced baseball? And when you look at the major leagues, obviously, with home runs and things of that sort and a lot of strikeouts, you know, there's really no reason to sacrifice bunt. There is math behind this. There is a method to the madness of the fact that sacrifice bunts, just for the most part, are not plus EV decisions. From a run expectancy standpoint and a win expectancy standpoint, they typically aren't worth it. It's not worth giving up and out to hopefully increase your chances of scoring one run because that's what happens. You increase your chances of scoring one run, but you dramatically decrease your chances of scoring multiple runs, which in the Major League Baseball current run environment, in the KBO current run environment, you want to score as many runs as possible. Playing for one run, it makes sense late in games, in certain late game situations. I'm not 100% anti-sack bunt, but I don't see any reason to ever bunt before, say, the eighth inning, unless you've got a pitcher at the plate or something like that. So to me, I think a lot of sacrifice bunts are just a waste. In the KBO, things may be a little bit different. It's not something I've dived into as much as I have with Major League Baseball, but I will never change my stance on sacrifice bunting. I can't stand it. I don't think it makes a lot of sense 90 to 95% of the time. But there are those times in late game situations where it does make a little bit of sense. Second question from Rich here says, if NFL games go on as scheduled, but with fewer or no fans, do you think teams will be allowed to pump in crowd noise? If so, do you think this would give an edge to the Falcons since they are experts in this category? A good shot at a rival here. Rich is a Saints fan, good friend of mine. Uh, I know that he's not not too keen on the Falcons, so I appreciate that shot across the bow there. You know, I, I think I mean, you're going to have to have some sort of ambient noise, right? I mean, you're in these cavernous venues, you know, 65, 70, 75,000 seat venues. You've got to have some sort of ambient noise, right? I mean, you just kind of have to. Otherwise, it's going to be extremely weird, extremely weird. I mean, you know, I, I guess maybe teams are used to being in their practice facilities with no noise or whatever, but if you talk about an NBA practice, 
if you're on your main arena floor or you're on the road and you're practicing, the place is quiet. You're kind of used to that a little bit to a degree. Maybe some of these kids used to it from college with their arenas not being very big. But in the NFL, man, I I think no sound except for, you know, the quarterback and, and the players kind of signaling to each other. I think that would be very difficult. You know, will teams go with more silent counts so that the opposition can't pick up on their signals? Are they going to have to change their audible calls and their hot route calls each week? Stuff like that. I think you got to have something. You know, I think that you have to have some sort of noise, whether it's crowd noise or something else. You know, maybe you get some white noise, some ocean waves, maybe a thunderstorm, something like that. Maybe they play music like they do during the NBA. I, I don't know, but I think that there has to be something because otherwise, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's going to be eerie. I mean, the silence is just going to be crazy. I, I don't know. It's a pretty good question. I, I sort of wonder how the logistics are going to work out with that. Although from what you've kind of seen out there in terms of what people are reporting and stuff like that, it does seem like the expectation is to have fans in the building. So I don't know. I guess we'll kind of wait and see. We'll see what happens with COVID-19 and all that. But uh, it's a good question. And again, I think from a from a gamesmanship standpoint, you know, can you really – the playbooks in the NFL are hard enough to understand, I would imagine. You're going to start changing around all the calls and all the signals and everything else week after week after week? I don't know. So that'll be something that'll be very interesting to take a look at once things actually start, uh, you know, getting closer here and possibly coming to fruition. Finally, last question here from Rich. What are the states that will have legalized sports betting, uh, or what are the next states that will have legalized sports betting? Uh, Well, we had Colorado launch on May 1st, and obviously there's not a ton going on, but UFC, NASCAR, golf, stuff like that, they've been able to take some handle with that. Michigan and Illinois, they launched in March, but they don't have online capabilities yet. Tennessee will be one of the next states. Tennessee actually has no retail casinos. So Tennessee is going to be 100% online and mobile. Sign up from anywhere. We'll see which operators wind up going there. But Tennessee should be a very robust sports betting market. You know, Colorado is online available to everybody, but they do have the retail element in Cripple Creek, Blackhawk, and Central City. Tennessee, they don't have any retail casinos. So that'll be a very interesting one, especially with, you know, people traveling into Nashville for different events. We'll see if, you know, Tennessee has restrictions on college events, stuff like that. Uh, Virginia, they're supposed to go into effect July 1st. They've got four quasi-casinos, I was researching this this morning, called Rosies, where they're basically like, they're called historical horse racing machines that look like slot machines. It's kind of a weird thing, uh, but they actually don't have any retail casinos either. So Virginia going to be an all-online and mobile state. Washington, North Carolina, they're doing the tribal setup. They've already agreed to that. North Carolina's got a couple of Harrah's properties uh, up in the Smoky Mountains there. So Washington and North Carolina are going the tribal-only route, and that's retail-only as well, not online, at least as of now. And then I saw that recently uh, Oklahoma, they're starting to get into the tribal, uh, you know, tribal casinos with some sports betting. They could draw some of the Texas population. That could be pretty interesting, especially because Texas is nowhere near an expansion of sports betting to – or an expansion of gambling, excuse me, to include sports betting. Then one more is Louisiana. I saw that a couple of bills actually went through the Senate. They'll be going over to the House. But Louisiana is really interesting and odd setup because the individual parishes 
can have different laws, different rulings, stuff like that. So they're looking at probably a retail setup only, but mobile inside of that location because they won't be able to have widespread state legalization because individual parishes may not allow for it. So they're going to have a lot of things that they have to deal with, with, you know, geolocation fencing technology and stuff like that. It's kind of what Mississippi has gone with, uh, Louisiana kind of looking at that. But I do think that on the whole, I would expect other states to move quickly because right now with unemployment and all the things going on at a state level with the COVID response, these states are going to need a new revenue stream and they're going to try to get it from wherever they possibly can. So I think there will be some states that once all of this is not necessarily over, but toned down a little bit more once the legislative sessions get back going here, I think a lot of states will move quickly on sports betting. So yeah, we try to find silver linings in, in this awful, tragic thing. But I do think that a lot of states will move quickly. I think Ohio will be one that moves quickly. And they're surrounded by states that have legalized betting anyway. I guess a state like Kansas could move. They've been talking about it already. They actually do have some casinos in the state of Kansas. Um, Missouri is going to be another one that's going to be going live here shortly. We could see Nebraska make a move. Uh, you know, we could see, um, you know, maybe Arizona takes a more serious stance. Something like that, Georgia, could wind up being on the move as well. Because, again, these states are going to have these big budget deficits. They're going to have to find money somewhere. And maybe they find – because, you know, Ohio, for example, they just did a pretty big cutback uh, with state and local education in order to account for the money that they've been putting out for some of the other programs. Well, what's going to happen, and what happens in a lot of these states, is that when you've got sports betting tied through the lottery – the revenue stream pumps back into education. That's the case with the Ohio lottery, which means that sports betting would be a way to recoup that money that was taken from education. So I think that will be a thing in a lot of states here. I think we will probably get a pretty good run on states, probably not late 2020, but early 2020, early 2021. I would expect a lot of states to start adopting legalization that haven't already and probably will move pretty quickly in that process. Rich, as always, appreciate the questions for the Monday Mailbag. At Skating Tripods on Twitter, Adam at bangthebook.com via email to get the notes, or skatingtripods at gmail.com. All right, so with that, here we go beyond the box score, and uh, after taking up a little bit of time with the Monday Mailbag, I'll try not to stretch this out too much. I know the last show is about 45 minutes. Pretty long, but a lot of good information, and I've been getting a lot of good feedback on this KBO stuff here as well. But in any event, 12 more home runs on Sunday, 114 home runs in 57 games. So exactly two per game. Now, what's really interesting here is that home runs are up rather dramatically league-wide, as we've talked about a lot. 1.4 home runs per game last year, two per game here this year so far. But interestingly enough, the league-wide ERA is only up from 455 to 464. So it's a fairly modest ERA increase despite the big power surge and also increases in batting average and on base percentage. Those are both up to this point relative to last season. We have 71 unearned runs though in 57 games. Last year there were 634 unearned runs in 720 games. So we're well over one unearned run per game on pace. Last year it was fewer 
than one unearned run per game. So that's part of it, is that run scoring is clearly up around the league, but also it's up from an unearned run standpoint. So, of course, those don't count against ERA. 595 runs in 57 games to this point, 10.44 runs per game in the KBO for 2020, up from 9.09 last year. So an increase of about 1.35 runs per game in the KBO to this point in time. That is a substantial increase, to say the least. But it's still below 11.1 runs per game in 2018. Now, something that is worth talking about here real quickly is that the season started in May. The KBO season traditionally starts in March. So the weather pattern, much, much different here in the KBO than it was at the start of last season. So that is having a little bit of an impact on this power surge as well. The baseball is different. The players are saying that. The data seems to back that up, and I'll talk more about that in a second. But also, too, the weather environment is different. So this is something where you would traditionally see, you know, if you looked at it from a chart standpoint, things would kind of start a little bit lower, go up as the weather got warmer, then kind of come back down a little bit as the weather cooled off, you know, once we got closer to fall. But in the KBO here, I don't think we see sort of that bell curve type of format. This probably just flattens out, quite frankly, because you won't have so many atmospheric differences over the course of the season. Now, it will get warmer. It will get more humid, obviously. So maybe run scoring goes up a little bit over the summer months. But you won't see as steep of an increase as you typically would because the season started in May as opposed to March. So that is something to keep in mind here is that Yes, relative to last year, things are a lot different, particularly early on in the season, but the weather also a lot different over in the KBO. Now, with that being said, that's not the only difference. The baseball is different. And Jiho Yu, uh, for the Yonhap News Agency, actually wrote up an article here citing the data from Sports2i, which is the advanced stats provider, basically the stat cast, MLB Advanced Media, of the KBO. And what they said here, their hard hit rate. Now, Major League Baseball, the hard hit rate is defined as 95 miles per hour. In the KBO, the hard hit rate is defined as 150 kilometers per hour, which average, which is about 93.2 miles per hour uh, for us. The hard hit rate, 27% in the KBO. So at least 27% of batted balls have been 93.2 miles per hour or higher. At this time last year, it was 22.4%. So part of that is the weather factor, but a bigger part of that is that the baseball is pretty obviously different from what we saw last year. And in fact, line drive exit velocity and fly ball exit velocity are up each about three kilometers per hour. Line drives around 87.73 miles per hour. Fly balls, 84.38 miles per hour. So with that being said, that's much lower than Major League Baseball, but still pretty high from a KBO standpoint. So the baseball is different. It is playing different. The weather is a contributing factor, but also guys are making a lot better contact overall, which does suggest that the baseball is probably a little bit different. And also, too, again, a very quick spring training for these players. 
So the pitchers are still probably working on their command. Velocity usually comes back pretty quickly, but throwing quality pitches, that takes time. It takes time to get a feel for your arsenal. So I think that maybe this offensive surge is, I don't want to say misleading, but I think there's a chance that we do kind of regress back a little bit as the pitchers get better. That's, of course, assuming that you know, the pitchers are able to cancel out the weather. And there's a lot of moving parts here. Again, I've talked about this a lot, that the sample size is still pretty small. I mean, 57 games, that's a small percentage of what we're looking at here around the league. Keep in mind, they play you know, 720 games in this league. So you've got a scenario here where the sample size is, is probably big enough to start making some conclusions but not big enough to be absolutely definitive. So we're seeing harder contact. We're obviously seeing more run scoring, and we're seeing more power. Now the question is, does this level off or does this regress a little bit as the pitchers get more repetitions, as the pitchers get more command, more feel? Now if we look at pitching as a whole in this league, you could say probably not because the pitching isn't very good. And also the weather will get warmer. So Something I'm kind of following. You've got some give and take here. You've got you know, sort of one column against another column. But the overall thing, the overall theme here is that harder hit contact, more power, more runs scored. Whether or not that changes remains to be seen. But obviously it does appear that the ball is playing a little bit different here in the KBO this season. Take a look at bullpens here real quickly, and I've been posting my bullpen spreadsheet in the daily article over at bangthebook.com, so please check that out. The LG Twins are the only bullpen right now with an ERA under four. Everybody else over four, some teams substantially over four. The lot the Giants with the best whip at 1.18, followed by Kiwum and then LG. And again, you can check out that bullpen report every day over in my KBO article at bangthebook.com. Something I wanted to mention here, because this information can be very difficult to find. I've been trying to to put this in, sort of infuse it into the daily article as often as I can, but a lot of injuries starting to mount here in the KBO. Now, as I just mentioned, a very abbreviated spring training for the teams in this league. So we're seeing a lot of soft tissue injuries in the KBO to this point intercostal muscles, obliques, uh, hamstrings, leg injuries, stuff like that. Because again, you know, these teams do all have Monday off, but more often than not, you're playing six games in a row. And the roster sizes are a little bit bigger here. You've got some more platoon things, stuff like that. But still, you really hit the ground running here in the KBO, playing a lot of games right out of the chute. You know, in Major League Baseball, you've got a lot of off days worked in Teams generally, you know, will play three or four games in March and then maybe play, you know, 21, 22 games over April where they've got some extra days off kind of built in. Not the case in the KBO. So going by team here, looking at some injuries that I've picked up from on Twitter uh, from various people that cover the KBO, no injuries for Doosan as of yet, at least nothing of, of great significance. They're just running good right now in general with the offense. The pitching staff, though, the worst in the KBO at this point in time. The Hanwha Eagles, now their offense isn't very good, as we know, but they've already 
had some very bad luck on the injury side. And in fact, right now, both their starting shortstop and starting second baseman are out for the next month or so. Again, for the Hanwha Eagles here, Haju Suk, uh, 264, 308, 383 slash overall in his career, but off to a nice 333 average, 349 on base, 405 slugging to start this season. And Oh Sun Jin, 240, 305, 306 career, but 346, 370, 538 to start this season. So Ha and O, the shortstop and second baseman for Hanwha, off to good starts. A couple of the guys that were actually hitting for this Hanwha lineup, both of them get hurt. I believe both of them in Sunday's game as well. So the Hanwha Eagles, lots of injury problems for them. They're already without Jared Hoying, who is their foreign hitter. He's having some back discomfort. Then also Lee Young-Koo, another outfielder for them, in about 6,500 plate appearances in the KBO, he's a career 387 on base guy. So four of Hanwa's best offensive players, at least in the small sample size of this season, now on the shelf for them. So they will continue to be an excellent underbet. And I don't think the sports books will know about these injury situations. I don't think they'll be that plugged in to know what's going on here. But Hanwa with four really key injuries virtually to their everyday lineup for a team that already wasn't really hitting. Nothing on the significant injury front for the Kia Tigers. The Kiwoom Heroes, a couple of injuries for them here. Lim Byung-Wuk, out six to eight weeks for them. Probably Lim Byung-Wuk, out six to eight weeks. He's their starting center fielder. Off to a good start in 2020, 278 average, 350 on base, 389 slugging. Not great career numbers, but they lose a starter there in him, uh, Nick Kingham. He's got the elbow issue. Who knows when he'll be back. And then Taylor Motter, who is their foreign hitter. Taylor Motter was off to a slow start, but he's having some issues over in South Korea here. Uh, There was a deleted tweet that Daniel Kim had a screenshot of on Twitter where Motter had quote tweeted, Uh, his girlfriend or wife, something like that, in quarantine over in South Korea. I guess she's still, you know, got to meet whatever the mandatory requirement is over there. Her, she and Mott are very critical of what was taking place there in terms of food and stuff like that. Maybe Taylor Motter comes home. Maybe Taylor Motter comes back to the United States. Maybe Kiwum loses their foreign hitter. Wasn't hitting anyway, but he's currently on like the injury list, the ineligible list, whatever, taking off the roster here for Kiwum. We'll see what happens with that scenario. But, of course, you know, the Kiwum offense struggling already. Now they don't have Motter, and they lose Lim to that injury for six to eight weeks. So Kiwum, they're dealing with some things as well. A bad injury here for KT. Yu Han Jun out six weeks. He's their cleanup hitter. Career 377 on base percentage, career 300 hitter, off to a 300, 349, 475 start. He's out six weeks. So KT, who did have a great offensive weekend, um, they're going to be without their cleanup hitter for the next month and a half or so. They're second in batting average in the KBO right now, but an injury situation popping up there for them. One key injury for the LG Twins here, and I just mentioned LG with the lowest bullpen ERA in the KBO right now. However, their closer, Ko Woo Siak, 
out until at least the second half, if not all season here, 152 ERA, 108 whip, 35 saves last year, 76 strikeouts in 71 innings. He's only 21 years old, but he has a knee injury. He'll be out for a long period of time. So LG now without their top relief pitcher. And in this league, that certainly seems like it's quite a problem. The lot the Giants, a couple of injuries for them. Lee Seung-Hun, a scary moment in Sunday's game, got hit in the head with a comebacker, a fractured forehead for him. Hopefully he winds up being okay. Also, Jung-Hoon, out two-plus months. He's kind of a first baseman, DH, outfield platoon guy. 367 on average, 457 on base, 533 slugging percentage start here in 2020. So Lotta with a couple of injuries. Lee was making his first start of the year, but Jung-Hoon, a pretty big loss there for the Lotta offense. No injuries for the NC Dinos. We're off to a 10-1 start. Samsung, Ben Lively got hit on the hand by a comebacker. X-rays were negative. Seems like he'll be okay, but he left after one inning uh, in that game on Sunday. A couple of injuries here for SK. Actually, one injury for SK. Che Tae-In, 37 years old. He's a utility player, kind of plays all over the place. Intercostal muscle for him. He's out four to six weeks. Good career hitter. 298 average, 369 on base, 454 slugging. Not a great 2019, but SK can ill afford to lose any offensive player of value. And, of course, they'll be without him for four to six weeks here with that intercostal muscle. So I'll try to update these injuries, but the key takeaway here, Hanwa missing four players pretty much from its everyday lineup. Kiwum with some injury concerns. KT missing their cleanup hitter. LG missing their closer. And SK missing one of the few guys with some offensive upside for them. It's an interesting thing over at the KBO. They actually have a new injury list format where it's 10-day, 15-day, or 30-day, but they can come back earlier if they're healthy. So kind of a loose format with this injury list. But uh, now that they have that, instead of moving guys down to the second division, they just put them on the injured list, call somebody up. So just uh, some you know uh, procedural things there in the KBO to touch on. All right, so let's talk about the series that just wrapped up here. We start with Lotta and Hanwa. And the Lotta Giants offense really came back to earth. Only 10 runs in the three games here in this series. And interestingly enough, Warwick Sopold actually had the worst start of the three guys for Hanwa. Kim E. Juan, one earned run, seven hits, struck out a couple, walked one over six innings. Sopold's start was very good anyway. I'm saying it kind of in jest that he had the worst start. Seven innings, two earned, eight hits, struck out four, walked one. Then Kim Min Woo, seven innings, one run, two hits, struck out six, walked three. Han was getting exceptional pitching. Now, though, they lose their two middle infielders. So what happens with this Hanwa pitching staff? Because I have to assume, and I don't know this for a fact, but I have to assume that defensively up the middle now, they would have to be worse, right? I mean, you lose both of those guys, and the thing of it is, the backup shortstop was the starting second baseman. So the shortstop goes out, then the backup shortstop goes out. So up the middle now, Hanwa, very questionable defensively, and the pitching staff is what has been carrying this team. Because we know the offense isn't any good. So maybe Hanwa, a fade here, maybe the sports books don't fully recognize and realize what the Eagles are dealing with uh, could be a good opportunity to go against them here 
for the next couple of weeks while they try to sort of adjust on the fly with some of those key injuries. On the lock to side, Dan Straley didn't pitch well. And Straley's price really got pumped up in his start. Didn't even make it through five innings in his start. I'm sure he'll be just fine, but you know, just kind of a cautionary tale, maybe with laying some really big numbers here in the KBO. Uh, Lee Seung-Hun, as I mentioned, three unearned runs before he got hit in the head. A lot of work for that lot, the Giants' pen on Sunday. They did pitch well, but they lost in 11 innings, and they actually had to work a lot here this weekend. With that extra inning game, losing a starter early, Straley doesn't get through five. Watch for this lot, the bullpen, later in the week, where they could have some signs of fatigue, could want to look to play some overs here with the Giants later in the week with a bullpen that kind of got gassed a little bit over the weekend. Kiwoom and LG. LG swept the doubleheader on Saturday. They lose the finale on Sunday. Eric Jokic got to get the start for Kiwoom on Sunday, only threw 72 pitches, but they had a 7-0 lead, so there was really no point to push him. But the Kiwoom offense, good on Sunday. They scored nine runs, but awful in the doubleheader. Casey Kelly and Jung Chan Hian really shutting them down in that doubleheader there. Both bullpens were terrible on Sunday. And this may be something to watch here because we will have some scheduled doubleheaders later in the year. Maybe that's an over angle. You know, relievers in the KBO, from what I've seen, and I do want to try and track this a little bit more here, going to try and use that bullpen spreadsheet that I have to track this a little bit more. But relievers working back-to-back days, seem to be really bad on the second day. And maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe it's just something I've kind of noticed from my box score study. But it does look like when they're asked to go back-to-back days, it's been problematic. And again, maybe this has to do with the fact that they couldn't ramp up for the season the way that they usually do. Maybe it's just kind of trying to get a feel for everything. But to this point, it does look like relievers pitching in a back-to-back are not very good. So if you see a team using its better relievers, something like that, maybe you want to look to go against that team the next day, just expecting that bullpen to be a little bit watered down. The Kiwoom offense, they still can't really get going. They did on Sunday. I had the under on Sunday's game. Maybe I should have considered the doubleheader angle a little bit stronger. But Eric Jokic has really got a strong pull. He's one of the better starters in this league for sure. And for Kiwoom, you know, if that offense ever gets going, they've got some pretty good pitching. I'll talk about that a little bit more here with their upcoming series. If they ever get that offense going, though, now they'll be in very good shape. Doosan, they took two out of three from Kia. Doosan just keeps right on hitting, man. 23 runs in this three-game series for them. Now, I have no doubts that their offense is really good. But Jose Miguel Fernandez, a 5-12 Babbitt. O.J. Lee, a 516 BABIP. Again, that's batting average on balls in play. In Major League Baseball, a lot of guys fall between 290 and 310. I would assume in the KBO, a lot of guys are more like 330 to 340, something like that. But you've got Fernandez at 512, O.J. Lee at 516, Kim J. Juan at 385, and Kim J. Ho at 410. So those are four of the top five in plate appearances for Doosan with exorbitant batting averages on balls in play. That will regress. Nobody's carrying a 500 BABIP in any baseball league. So that will regress. Now, I don't know when it will, 
I have no idea the answer to that question. But this deuce on offense cannot sustain this pace. So, again, we try to maybe find spot plays to maybe go against them, like I did with Aaron Brooks on Sunday. But then Aaron Brooks got rocked, gave up 11 hits, and Raul Alcantara was dominant with seven innings, nine strikeouts. So I'm trying to find spots to go against the Doosan offense because they will regress a little bit with those extremely high BABIPs. It's just a matter of when that actually happens, and I'm not entirely sure. In this series, there were eight errors in the first game, 13-4 to four final, 10 unearned runs. I don't think the Doosan pitching staff is very good, but I also don't think Doosan's very good defensively. That certainly seems to be the case here. I'm trying as I can to figure out which defenses are good in this league and which ones are bad because it's going to have a significant impact in a low strikeout environment. I think Doosan's defense could be pretty bad here. They could still be an over team, but again, I do think that offense does kind of regress a little bit as we go forward. For Kia, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I can't get a feel for this Kia team. Uh, Preston Tucker's carrying the offense. He's hit half of their home runs. He's slashing 444, 510, 911. He's got five home runs already. He hit nine in 399 plate appearances last season. So he's carrying this offense. He's only struck out 6% of the time, double-digit walk rate. He's been great. Nobody else really has been. So... If you can shut him down, you can kind of shut down this Kia offense. They're about the only team in this league that I feel like I just don't have a feel for right now. We'll see if that changes here for this weekend. Maybe a bad read on my part saying that Samsung is better than advertised because KT swept them, outscored the Lions 33-12 to in this series victory. Samsung gave up eight runs in the seventh inning of the first game to lose 14-6. to Juan Tain struggled. So Hyung Jun for KT, the 19-year-old, he was pretty good. Blowout in the third game. You know, this KT offense has been very good. Their second batting average, second slugging percentage. As I just mentioned, you know, they've got that injury consideration with their cleanup hitter, and the top of their order is not very good. So I think KT could be a regression candidate offensively as they face some better pitching here. Samsung's pitching staff is okay. But as they face some better pitching, I may look for chances to go against KT a little bit. Uh, Samsung, they only struck out 17 times in this series, but their contact quality seems to be a big issue for them. You know, you look at some of the teams here in this league, some teams hit for a lot of power and some teams just don't. Samsung, SK, and Hanwha have combined to hit 20 home runs. NC on their own has hit 18. Doosan's hit 17. You've got to hit for power in this league. That's becoming very, very clear. Samsung not hitting for a lot of power. Uh, it's hurt them. It's really hurt them. And they get swept here and only score 12 runs over these three games against a KT pitching staff that had been pretty bad coming into this series. One more series to take a look at here. NC, they complete the sweep of SK. SK scored eight runs in the three games in this series. NC may be the best pitching staff in the league. They certainly have the best rotation in the league. But, man, SK's offense is just deplorable. It's just, my God, it's awful. I will say this. I was looking through over at KBO Fancy Stats. I was looking at some BABIP stuff. Because, you know, we're starting to get a little bit more of a sample size here. Maybe we can start looking at BABIP a little bit more. 
When I looked at batting averages on balls in play for the NC pitchers, they're really good. Now, part of this is because they've got a really good staff. Their contact quality against probably among the best in the KBO. But I think there's a chance that the NC defense is the best defensive team in the league. I think that that may be kind of showing itself a little bit here. So the pitchers are very good, but they also have a very good defense. And that's helped them to this 10-1 and start. Drew Rasinski was better, not dominant. Lee J. Hack, Kim Young-Yu, they were very good. Again, SK, not a good offensive team. But I think NC is actually a legitimate team. I think they can hit just enough. The pitching staff's good. Like I said, I think defensively, they're probably among the best in the league, if not the best. NC is a very solid ball club. And I know that they shut down a really terrible SK team, but I think that they're still a very, very good team. For SK, Kim Taehoon, seven shutout. Once again, pitching very well. Two starts, very good for him. You can stomach betting on the SK offense. Kim Taehoon is about the only guy I would trust right now from that SK team uh, in terms of guys that can pitch without a whole lot of margin for error. So we take a look here at the week ahead. Hanwha and KT, LG and Samsung, Lata and Kia, NC and Doosan. That's a great series matchup there. And then SK and Kiwoom, a lot of under money coming in in that series. The foreign starters coming up here over the next couple of days. David Buchanan, William Cuevas, Chris Flexen, Drew Gagneau, Ricardo Pinto, uh, Tyler Wilson, and Mike Wright. Those will be the foreign starters coming up here today and tomorrow, or well, Tuesday and Wednesday. The watch list, guys. Ku Chang Mo is going to make another start for NC. He's the best domestic pitcher in this league. A guy with a clear-cut Major League Baseball future. Bei Ji Seong, another guy I like from KT. Choi Che Hyung from Samsung, Choi Wan Tae from Kiwoom, Young Ha or Lee Young Ha from Doosan, and Park Se Wong from Lata. Those are the six domestic starters I'll be watching very closely here with their next turns in the rotation. So we take a look at these series here. Hanwa at KT. Again, Hanwa, lots of injuries, missing the middle infield defense. Low slugging percentage offense, and they lost some of their better hitters. KT, their offense is firing away right now. They're a 4-7 and seven team, but have a plus-12 run differential after outscoring Samsung by 21 runs over the weekend. KT, a Pythagorean win-loss, positive regression candidate. But they'll keep being a streaky team. I think this series sets up well for them. You know, Hanwa... Look, they've got some hits. They have 103 hits on the season. That's 12 more than their opposition, but only 38 runs, only four home runs. Now they don't have that middle infield defense. Looks like a tough week here for the Hanwha Eagles. KT, they don't strike out a lot. That helps. Hanwha's got some pretty good strikeout pitchers on their staff. This looks like a bad series for Hanwha. KT should take care of business here, but we'll see how inflated those prices are because right now Hanwha's just not viewed as a very good team. Again, I don't think those injuries will be accounted for in the lines. So maybe we get some decent KT prices here. And I'll probably back Beiji Seong, whether it's a run line or the big money line price, because I really like him. But beyond that, it's going to be tough to lay the big numbers with KT here, even though they probably will be justified. LG and Samsung. Samsung goes home now, and they've hit six of their eight home runs at home. 
So maybe some better hopes for them offensively in this series. Now, LG's only hit nine home runs. Samsung's hit eight. So not a lot of home runs for these two offenses. But Samsung is probably the best hitters park in this league. So maybe we get some power production from these two teams here. Could be an over-series here with LG missing their best reliever, with their offense being very, very good. Samsung, you know, they're not a great pitching staff. They've got the most walks in the league. So I think this could be an over-series between LG and Samsung. We'll see what the totals and the pitching matchups look like for that series. Lotta and Kia, like I said, you know, I just, I haven't been able to get a handle on this Kia team to this point in time. As I mentioned earlier, Preston Tucker just completely carrying the offense. Kia's got the most pitching strikeouts in the KBO, but Lotta doesn't strike out a whole lot. The third fewest strikeouts in this league. I think Kia's a pretty bad defensive team. They're second unearned runs allowed with 10. Samsung has allowed 13. Like I said, I don't think Samsung is a very good defensive team either. Kia's pitchers have allowed 31 doubles. That's the second most in the KBO. Lotta's hitting for some power. I think this series matches up pretty well for the Lotta Giants. We'll see what their prices look like, but I expect to see myself with a ticket or two backing the road team here in this series. NC and Doosan, the best series of the week, bar none. The best rotation and the best pitching staff for NC against the best offense in the KBO in Doosan. Doosan also with the worst pitching staff. Now, NC's offense has been good. It hasn't been great. Maybe they break out a little bit here in this series. 46 extra base hits allowed by the Doosan pitching staff to this point. Only 28 from the NC pitching staff. So we'll see how to handicap this series. I think it's tough. Doosan's going to get Mike Wright. They're going to get Ku Chang Mo. Is this where their offense regresses a little bit? It's a possibility. Can NC hit that bad deuce on pitching staff? It's a possibility. Going to be price dependent for sure in this series. I'll probably end up backing Ku Chang Mo because Doosan's playing so well. I should get a good price on him. But this is a great series. Again, Doosan, they try to win slugfests. NC, they want to win lower scoring games, rely on that awesome rotation and a pretty competent bullpen. Contrasting styles, to be sure, but should be a great series there between NC and Doosan. Finally, SK and Kiwoom. Kiwoom, they're not scoring. SK is the worst offense by far. Kiwoom is going to be a big favorite in a lot of these games here. SK does avoid uh, Jake Brigham and Eric Jokic. They get Choi Wante, a guy that I like. Lee Sung-ho, he's a young guy and a breakout candidate. Kiwum is going to have some big prices here. The totals will be low in this series. I'm expecting some underline moves in this one. Kiwum's bullpen also better than SK's. Kiwum should be able to bounce back here. They had dropped, I think, four or five in a row before winning on Sunday. This could be a get-right series for Kiwum. If you're going to play it, you're going to pay for it, though. So there is that. But SK is just, they're getting blown out because they can't score. So maybe you can cut into the Kiwoom prices with some minus ones, some minus one and a halves, stuff like that. SK, they're just, they're not up to par offensively. They're not a good pitching team. Kiwoom should take care of business here. But the question is, how big are the prices that we have to take? A lot of stuff here. Once again, 
skatingtripods at gmail.com, adam at bangthebook.com to get on the list for the betters box notes of all the scribbles I've got here for the KBO, all the stats, all that kind of thing. And again, the daily article will be back here on Monday afternoon for the Tuesday games over at bangthebook.com along with continued NASCAR, golf, UFC, and horse racing coverage over at the website. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.